It's the second chapter. Uh, we're going to start with verse 11. I'm just going to go ahead and read uh, 11 through 18, and then we'll go back and start picking this apart and bringing forth some things from the Holy Spirit that's just so exciting. He says here, Wherefore remember that you, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes uh, far off, actually that word is at, at one time, were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Jesus, of blood of Christ. For, or my mind's going, that's why I'm getting tongue-tied here, I'm, I'm thinking ahead. For he is our peace who hath made both one uh, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in the ordinances, for to make in himself twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were far off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now the title of this lesson is Removing the Barrier. And a lot of times people, because they're not understanding what really took place in... Uh, in the uh, redemptive work of Christ, uh, not realizing that there was a huge barrier between mankind and God, and what he did was remove that barrier. And so that's kind of what we want to get into tonight and, and, and disseminate this, these, these passages here. In, uh, in verse uh, 11 it says, uh, remember when. Actually, it's a reflection off of verse 1 in this chapter, which it says, And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. So it's a takeoff. You still not left that, that concept there. And, and this barrier that, ex that existed is what he's asking people to remember. Remember back then. Remember what, how you were then. Remember the, the barrier that existed then. See, it was really impossible under the law to keep the Ten Commandments. But now that we are in Christ, we really can keep them. And that was the... Uh, actually, one, one uh, expositor put it this way, and I, and I tend to uh, uh, lean more this way than, than what uh, traditionally we've said about this, but that uh, the curse of the law uh, can be summed up in a simple thing in that we couldn't keep it. The curse of the law was that it could not be kept, it could not be followed because of the weakness of our flesh. And Romans uh, goes into that quite in depth there. So uh, there was a dramatic conversion uh, in the new birth that happened to us. And now we really uh, have the ability or the capability of keeping 
the, all the Ten Commandments. It, it's, it, and, and Jesus summed it up in two, if you, if you all know, about love God and love people. That's what we try to emphasize here. So he says here that remember, wherefore remember that you, uh, and the word being is italicized, it's, right, it's really not there, uh, that, that in time past, in time past, that was before the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which, which is the answer for everybody. And he says there that uh, you, you, you remember these things. Flip over to Colossians with you there in your Bible in chapter 1 and verse 12. And it says, Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So that's basically what he's talking about. And then down in verse 21 in Colossians 1, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in mind by wicked works. Now, the thing that alienated people, and he was not talking about born-again people in this verse here in Colossians, He's talking about back when we were, you that were sometime. We used to be alienated uh, and enemies in our mind by wicked works. Wicked works, the word wickedness in a basic definition means to be twisted. So, so, you, so people's beliefs about God have become turned and twisted by the enemy and through that their works became wicked. See? Uh, and, and, and we see that quite, quite a bit. We can get into that uh, maybe a little later. But here again in uh, Ephesians uh, 1.11, that you in time past, Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision. Everybody that was not in, in, in a Jew, was not uh, following Judaism, they were Gentiles. They were uncircumcised. And so that, he, and he goes on, bears on down there uh, in... Uh, Let's see what verse is it. In verse 17, we'll get into that in a little bit. Hopefully we can get there. But he said, uh, by that which is called the circumcision, and he's talking about the Jews there. So the word uncircumcision was used in a derogatory sense. That statement was negative. In fact, if you remember when King David, well, he wasn't king, when the boy David came to uh, deal with Goliath, uh, uh, you know, and the Philistines, he called him an uncircumcised. He said, who is this uncircumcised person that thinks they can come against the God of Israel? And so that was a derogatory statement. And it was all, all down through Judaism. So let, let's turn then over to Romans chapter 4 and look at something here, first of all, about Abraham. And I want to make a, a statement here about that. I know you don't have your your lesson plans yet, but we'll get that to you tomorrow. And by the way, let us know if you need a CD of this along with that when I deliver it, and I'll just run all of them. Uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned, reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Now, one of the, one, I mean, sometimes you can understand what the word is saying by not understanding, uh, uh, by, by understanding what it does not say. And one thing that sticks out to me quite, 
quite uh, uh, evident is that Abraham was not a Jew before God visited him. He was a Gentile. So faith made Abraham a Jew. And that's the same thing that, that happens to us. Faith gives us righteousness when we believe on the, the past tense work of Jesus and accept him as Lord. That's what happens. And so then he says in verse 9, uh, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only or upon the circumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in, in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. Well, that's, that's real wordy there. He and he received the sign uh, of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Uh, and then verse 12 uh, further delineates that, that concept there. So now, now let's look. Uh, I know there's a big deal about circumcision and uncircumcision with certain religions. What happened at the new birth is you received the circumcision of the heart. And the word circumcision there just it means a cutting away of the flesh and the spirit. Back in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3, we see there that God became uh, concerned about what mankind had become. And it makes a statement there that man became, that, but, but he says, but that man is flesh. And it mean, from the Hebrew there, you can, you can research this, it's basically saying that man became one with his flesh. Now, that did not happen the instant that he obeyed the devil. And I know a lot of people, a lot of teachers out there, a lot of Word of Faith teachers teach that that happened instantaneously. But what happened instantaneously is that sin entered the world. But Adam's heart, Adam's spirit, did not become one with his flesh until a period of time. And so by the sixth chapter, it had he had become one with his flesh and therefore, God was, I mean, I, I'm kind of iffy on making this statement, but right now I don't know how to make it any other way. Uh, God became on the outside looking in. And, and uh, he was not one with Adam anymore. And God had to create a way for mankind to approach God again. And there we have the slaying of the animals and the coats of skin that he gave Adam and Eve and, and the, the element of sacrifice there. So, so, back to Ephesians then. Well, let's, le let's look at Romans 9. I've got this written down on your notes. I might as well go through this. Romans chapter 9. Basically what we were just talking about. Romans 9, verses 1 through 5. Brethren, my heart's... This is Paul now. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Rescued. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Now, 
Uh, he said, well, let's read the fifth one. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. Uh, now, back in Ephesians chapter one, uh, 2. I want to talk to you about th this next thing. He says, uh, circumcision in the flesh by hands. Now, th the adoption that came from all these these this work of Jesus and, and then in, and of course Judaism and I'm going to go back over here to chapter 9 I think I left something out here I was reading the wrong thing wasn't I I was reading the wrong thing <laughs> now let's get started verse 1 chapter 9 I don't know where I was reading from I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are the Israelites, to whom pertains the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service, and the promises, who are the fathers, and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, and blessed forever. Amen. Not, uh, uh, see, well, I'm going to stop there at verse 5. But now I want to talk about that. The adoption meant the right, the right that was given to the firstborn. Now, what came because of that adoption, because of the firstborn, the firstborn had rulership, he had priesthood, and he had a double portion. Then it's, it lists the glory. That's the, she, the Shekinah glory of God. That, that means that they had the presence of God. Then the covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, which, which was the blessing uh, and would bring forth the Messiah. The Davidic covenant also was about the Messiah. The Palestinian covenant was about the land. The new covenant is actually the fulfilling of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, the law was talking about the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law was not designed to save anybody. The Mosaic law was given, and you'll have some references there in your notes, Romans 5.20 and Romans 3.20. The purpose of that law being given was to expose the problem. The law was added, and it means, and there's a reference in the Word of God about that, the law was added to the Abrahamic covenant so that people could see that, the, that there was a, a righteous standard of God and nobody could keep that. So it exposed the problem of sin. And then, of course, the service, which had to do with the ritual and the sacrifices, its purpose was to expose the answer. And then they had the promises, all of them in the Old Testament, for those who found their problem and their answers to the, to the things of life. And then it's talking about the fathers. They inherited the father. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Those are the fathers that it was talking about. And then Christ came, who is the Messiah, uh, to the Jew first, and then to the Gentiles. Now turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And we're going to start with about verse 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, 
and with all thy mind. And this is the first and great commandment. The second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So, the righteous standard for God's uh, righteousness has not, haven't changed. The righteous standards of God have not changed. And now, here, here's a statement. I, uh, because our country says this in our Constitution, I think, uh, one of them anyway, that uh, all men are created equal. Well, that's not true. All men are not created equal. We can only, because of this fallen race that we are in, our, our bodies now are in, you know as well as I do, some people are born with disease and maladies and problems, you know, in their bodies and stuff. That doesn't mean, you know, and then there will be a baby born right next to it that's in perfect health. So, so we're not created equally in the flesh. The only equality that we can have is in the new birth. So let's go back to Ephesians again. Ephesians chapter 2. If I can get my hand on there. Then he says, Wherefore remember, this Greek word I'm not even going to try to, to pronounce, but it means to be mindful of. Remember off a few, few Wednesday nights ago, several probably now, we talked about building that monument in your prayer life. So th this is the same thing. You be mindful of it. It calls for repentance. It calls to, for a decision to be made and gratitude to be given to God. Colossians 1.21 And you that were sometime, that means back then, alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. Colossians 1.21 That's what we're supposed to be remembering. We're not supposed to focus on what was wrong back then. But we're to be mindful of it because of what we've now come out of. And, and my wife will tell you, I'm, I, I am real bad about looking back to my past in things that I've done that I know that I'm forgiven of. I know that I've been cleansed. I know that I'm above all that. But still, my mind sometimes goes there, and uh, it's not kind to me. So uh, we're supposed to remember that. Now, verse 12, that at that time... At that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So at that time, we were without Christ. Without is the Greek word chorus, which means to separate, to be separate or apart from, a space between. I'm reminded, that, and I put it that in your notes, I'm reminded of Luke 16, 26, about the, about the story that Jesus gave about the uh, rich man and Lazarus. And Lazarus was saying that, uh, uh, or God was telling, Jesus was telling uh, the rich man that Lazarus could not cross over because there's a great gulf fixed in there. And that word, if you do some etymology work on that word, you'll find that that word uh, means wound, a deep cut or a deep wound he said there's a big there's a there, there's a big space or a great gulf between us and that's the way it was we could not cross that there, and people have tried people have tried their best through works righteousness to try to meet that trying to please God redemptively with your works is like you're at this big square hole filled with alligators and if you can jump over it to the other side, then you won't be killed. And it's impossible for us to jump that far. 
That's, that's like trying to earn righteousness with God. You cannot. It's impossible. In fact, it's a slap in the face of the gospel for you to try to. And then he says here in this verse that we were aliens. It's apolatrua, which means basically uh, estranged. We were estranged from the commonwealth. That's an old English word. It's the Greek word polity. That's where we get our word politics from. And uh, this is talking about the commonwealth of Israel was when uh, the nation that was within the nation. In other words, that was the time when, when religion and, and government was combined. Now, our government has set it up to where they cannot tell us what to do. I've got something pasted on the door right there. When you show up on the third, you'll see. But uh, they cannot tell us what to do as far as how to run our church, what to do, or what to preach, and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, religion and polity were joined back then. And then, and then that Paul says in Romans 9, 6 through 8, that uh, he said, not all Israel is Israel. He was talking about then, about people that believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says here that uh, we were strangers from the covenants of promise. Strangers meant that it was a result of the estrangement that we had from God. In other words, uh, that means having no share in their blessings. They were foreigners. And, and all this is things that he was saying that you need to remember all that kind of stuff. And then he said we had no hope. Absolute negation of anticipation, expectation, or confidence. The Bible says her, that hope deferred in Proverbs 13, 12 makes the heart sick. So, uh, you know, you need to have hope. Elpis is the word there. I don't remember the Hebrew word, but it means the same. Hope is a confident expectation of good. That's why it's not good for you to be in fear about the coronavirus. It's not good. You need to have hope. And you need to take that hope and supply it with faith and believe what the Word of God says, that no sickness or disease shall come nigh your dwelling. That, that is the hope that we have in Christ. And you need to keep that up. Because, see, now we do have a positive relationship. Uh, and then he says we were without, we're without God. That's atheos, which we get our word atheist from, means far off, godless or far off. Now, it's different now. Ephesians 2.13. But now. It's kind, of, it's kind of like what he said over here uh, in verse 4 of this chapter. But God. But God entered, changed everything. And then he's coming down here and says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes, you who were, were at one time were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Now, that doesn't seem to ring a, you know, a bell with us in our, in our culture and in our way of worshiping God and, and what we know about God. Uh, and, and it's very, very important that you go back and study and find out how these people functioned, why they believed what they did. You need to go back and do word studies and search and, and, and look in a historical uh, aspect of, of, of these things. Now... The words far and near are listed here, but they were used in rabbinical writings to indicate, among other things, a non-Jew, which was far, 
and Jews which were near, uh, or those who were righteous and near God, or those that were godless and far away. So that's what that's talking about. In, in one redemptive sweep, Jesus Christ eliminated the barrier that existed between God and man and men and men. So you see, Jesus' coming did not just give us peace with God. It also causes us to have peace with one another. See, it's sort of like the vertical cross, you know, from, from man to God and then out here, you know, from man to man. We're, he wants us to walk in peace uh, with one another. So God, God, God caused that to happen. But now in Christ, we are near. Uh, and we're made nigh uh, by the blood of Christ. Now, <clears throat> this is another thing that we need to understand. I'm trying to get my thoughts together about how to present this. Uh, the, tech, the technical aspect of Judaism was that when you kept the laws, the sacrifices, and, and lived your life the way that that the old prophets told you to live, the way that they wrote, the, you know, Moses, and keep all those laws. That was a symbol of being nigh or being near God. That was the only method, that was the only mechanism that was used that we could know him in, a, in an intimate way. In other words, be near him. But he says here that now we're made nigh, we're made near uh, by the blood of, of Christ. Think about this now. I mean, this, this, this kind of teaching, these people had never heard before. Before Paul was given the, the Pauline revelation in the desert by the Holy Ghost. It's interesting to me, very interesting. Sort of like God was in charge of these things. Uh, that the four Gospels were not written until after Paul received his revelation. And a lot of the things that they, they wrote... Paul was an influence in their life about that. But now, uh, in the blood, you know, we're, we're made nigh, we're made close by the blood. That, that's the only way. There's no other way you can be made close to God. You cannot be made close to God by coming here to church. You can't be made close to God by reading your Bible day and night. You can't be close to God by, by praying a lot. You're already close to God by the blood of Jesus. I mean, we have direct access. We, we are invited to come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, those people never had a concept of boldness. Those people were, were, were cowed at, at the presence of God. Now, you and I, of course, if I went to, in the presence of God, I know I'd be a puddle on the floor. But, but uh, theologically speaking... We're made near. We're, we're made nigh. We, we can walk into the throne room. We technically are seated with Christ at the right hand of God Almighty. I mean, that's, that brings great confidence to us when, when we're talking about our prayer life. You don't have to go through mechanisms to get to God. You're made nigh through the blood. I've told this before. I'll, I'll share it with you again. Brother Hagen told us at school back in 1979, 80, when I was there, he said he was talking about the time he was caught up to heaven. And when, when he saw Jesus and, and, and was there with him, he fell on his face and was crying. His tears were falling on Jesus' feet. 
And, and Brother Hagin kept telling him he was unworthy. And Jesus, in a stern voice, said, Stand up. My blood hath made thee worthy. And that's exactly the attitude that God has for us, is that his blood has made us worthy to come into the presence of God. Only blood can make you near. Now, look at uh, verse 14. For, this is explanation, he is our peace. That's another concept they'd never heard. He is our peace, who hath broken down, who hath made one, rather, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition. So Jesus, he, he is our peace. We are made one. He is our peace. And 1 John 4, 17 says, as he is, so are we in this world. He's our peace, ero, which means to join together the separated. Think about that. Now, I mean, tell you, he's, he, he said, you know, this barrier that's been between us is broken down. And I'm telling you, he's exposing all kinds of things to us. Uh, you know, we, we have peace with God. Just as Jesus was our judgment, he is now our peace. And because of that peace, there's no wars being raged. We are at peace with God. We are at peace with men. We carry out his will diligently, seeking him, of course. And uh, Luke 2, 13 through 14 says, when the angels came there, when Jesus was about to be born, he said, behold, I bring you good news, you know, peace and goodwill toward men. Peace and goodwill toward who? Toward men. So Jesus established the peace that we have. Now that we receive his peace, we can walk in peace. You don't have to walk in, in dread and fear anymore. I don't care what the world does. I'm not going to be upset because people get upset with me because I'm not in the same degree of fear that they are. And they'll call you stupid and, you know, ignorant and religious nut and all that stuff. But we're going to walk on righteously and in health in Jesus' name. But now if you count out to that, to that fear, it'll, it'll come upon you. Fear and faith are two positive forces. They both have, have the ability to bring to pass that which is unseen. So don't give in to it. And I'm not talking about going out and rubbing noses with everybody. I'm talking about, you know, you can walk in, in wisdom, and we don't do that anyway. Uh, I, I've heard more than one time, I've heard people say that, you know, daycare centers just pass around colds and viruses because them kids are just little Petri dishes. So we need to walk in wisdom and, you know, uh, take care of our bodies and all that. But we don't need to get in fear about it. I'm sorry, but that's just as, that's just as plain and simple as I can put this. Isaiah 57, 19, God said through Isaiah, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is far off and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Romans 10, 15 and Isaiah 52, 7 both say, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of them that bring good news. And this is good news. Peace has come. God is our peace. And I'm telling you, we need to preach the gospel of peace. Not the gospel of conditions. Not the gospel of if you do right, you're going to get right. Not the gospel of, you know, uh, uh, intrepidation and, and worry and fear and you've got to worry about whether God's going to let you in or not. Let's preach the gospel of peace. Peace has been declared. Peace has been made. And it's all come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it says the middle wall of partition. 
That is the barrier between the court of the Gentiles and the inner portion of the, uh, of the temple. Now, I may be getting a little ahead of myself here, I may, but, I, but I feel like I need to say this now, that uh, th this middle wall of, uh, of partition, the barrier that existed, the, 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 the court of the Gentiles. Listen, all that's taken away now. When Jesus was crucified, the veil of the temple was rent in two. And they say, I don't know, I wasn't there, but they say that that, that leather curtain, laminated leather curtain soaked with oil was four inches thick and it tore from the top to the bottom and made a way for us to enter into the presence, into the Holy of Holies. I'm telling you, these people back under the law, I'm, you know, if they touched the Ark of the Covenant, they were dead. You and I could go in there, open the Ark of the Covenant, get out Aaron's rod, twirl it around and play with it and do all these things because we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. They were not. He's made peace. Amen? So, verse 15 then. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself Twain, one new man. So he abolished this in his flesh, and uh, which means actually to render inoperative. And, and that was talking about the law of Moses. Now, the reference, of course, is Romans 8, 2 through 4. He, he condemned sin in the flesh. The enmity which was the law of ordinances. You know what the word enmity? It is hostility. Some, sometimes it's translated, translated hatred. So en enmity existed between man and God. And, and the law only facilitated that enmity by listing laws, rules, regulations that you must follow and carry out. In Colossians, it's one of the books that we've asked you to read in, con in concurrence with this course, You'll see there that he took the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and nailed it to the cross. Well, that is a reference to what happened to someone who was in great debt to someone. And another man that had the money found out about it and came and paid the man's debt. And he got the, the sheet of paper, whatever it was they used, and he, when he paid that, he folded it up and nailed it to the doorpost of the man's house, knowing that that debt was paid. And that's what happened through the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus paid the debt that we could not pay, folded it up. So these, those, so these attributes of the law, the conditions of the law, all of the, the dietary laws and all of the sacrificial laws and all of the giving laws and all that stuff, they were, they were a mechanism that God used to try to guide these people. But now it's not necessary. It's not that the law was bad. It just showed, it made it very apparent that they were sinners. So, so now, since we're in Christ Jesus, all that's been removed... Because now we're on the inside looking out, not on the outside looking in. Now, you see, we have, we have a, a spirit that's inside us that is righteous, just like Jesus. 
And God has given us the Holy Spirit to walk with us and guide us and, and speak to us and unveil Jesus to us. And so we don't need laws, rules, and regulations. A law is needed where there's no relationship. I'm not in relationship with the city of Moreland. So I have to abide by their laws. And I'm telling you, if you go over 30 miles an hour in this town, you will get a ticket. I've noticed that. I've noticed them pull over too many people. And so I set my cruise control on 30 when I'm going through the, through the town here. So it's because I don't have relationship with them. But I have relationship with God. I don't need a speed sign. I don't need God to tell me not to sin. I don't need God to tell me through, his, through some writings from somebody that I need to not commit adultery or steal or kill or, you know, do murder and all that stuff. I don't, I, because I'm led by my spirit, see. And if, you, if you'll get used to that, being led by your spirit, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, your spirit is put in you to guide you and direct you. If you get to where you can listen to that, then before you start to do something that's not uh, kosher, you'll get a red flag. You'll get a red light. There'll be, there'll be a feeling on the inside of you that'll say, back off of this. I don't, you know, I don't need to do that. Everybody may be wanting you to. Every, it may seem reasonable. But, but all you know is you, you're just not going to do that. We went through something last, the last part of, this, of last year, December, that it was very tempting to handle it with Adam hands. But no, I kept it down in my spirit and I prayed in the spirit a lot about it and the Holy Spirit showed me how to deal with it. So it came out, it came out great. Uh, otherwise, if I'd have done it like I have done Teru, if I'd have done it like I, like, you know, 30 years ago, half the church would have left because there had been anger and strife and division and all that. And, and you know, by, by walking in the spirit, you can avoid a lot of that. So... The law then is inoperative. It was the barrier. It was the barrier because it showed the sins. Uh, Colossians 2.14 is what I was referring to, uh, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. But now notice what else he says here, verse 15. Makes in himself, uh, let's see, to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. One new man. You know, in Galatians 3.28 it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. There, 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 you know, somebody says, well, what, what about heaven? You know, if you're a woman, you go to heaven, are you still going to be a woman? Yes. You're still going to be a man too. That's, that's not what it's trying to say. It, it's, uh, I've often wondered, you know, how I'm going to relate to certain people when I get there. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, in Christ... We're all accepted as one. We are one new man. In fact, I've got a translation on my Kindle, uh, a Bible, called one new, the One New Man Bible, taken from a, Judea, a Judaism perspective. So, verse 16, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. So, so that what that's talking about, he might reconcile both. What's he talking about? The Jew and the Gentile. 
All people are now covered by, by the blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The word in Colossians 1, 20 uh, and 21, it's talking about reconcile there. It means to exchange hostility for friendship. Think about that. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. We are reconciled unto God. Uh, this reveals two things. Number one, Christ's, Jesus Christ's death on the cross was shameful. It was shameful, not honorable uh, among men. It corresponds to the death of the gallows. In other words, as far as the world was concerned, Jesus was a criminal. Jesus deserved death. He was crucified. Well, you and I know that he did not experience, 1 Corinthians 17, uh, 5 rather, 17 through 21, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so it corresponds to that. Jesus became what we were. He became every damnable thing that had happened to mankind since the days of Adam and Eve. Jesus identified. And then the second thing it, that, that this reveals that we were reconciled by the cross is that it is an execution which bore God's curse on sin. That's, that's what happened. Jesus no longer was the spotless Son of God when He was made to be sin for you. In fact, that identification is so strong that in the recorded annals of history in the kingdom of God, you hung on that cross. You died. You were crucified. You were beaten. The chastisement of your peace was upon you. But see, Jesus, the great exchange... The great exchange. He exchanged his righteousness for our sin. He exchanged his health for our sickness. He exchanged our uh, poverty for his wealth. The great exchange. He went there, I'm telling you, verse 17. Let's just get in that. And he came and preached peace unto you which were far off and to them that were nigh. That word preach means to bring good news, doesn't it? And that's what it is. The good news is to everybody, not just a few. Now you say, well, yeah, well, duh. Well, look around at the different religions. I mean, there's, I don't know how many thousands of religion there is on the face of the earth. All of them are different. Most of us would not be accepted in, in, in most of them. There's divisions, there's strife. But now God has reunited mankind in Christ Jesus. As far as God is concerned, every human being has been bought with the blood of Jesus, released of their sin, released of the barrier that stood between him and them. That barrier is gone. That, that should be our message to people. That's good news. That's why Isaiah and then again Paul said, that how beautiful on the mountains are those that bring uh, the gospel of peace, the feet of them that bring the gospel of peace. It's so important that our message be relevant to the needs of humanity. Humanity is hurt. They're lost. They're dying without God. 
without knowledge that God's not holding anything any against them. But because of the way he's been portrayed by us for centuries, the world has turned against him. We've not depicted the love of God. We've, we, we've portrayed a God that is angry. I mean, I'm already hearing that this coronavirus is from God because it's making everybody listen to the Word of God. I mean, how stupid is that? Father's not that way. I know I hit this issue a lot in my teaching, but it's, it's, it's relevant to the, to the day we live in. And I'm telling you, uh, verse 18, you know, we're going to read that, but, but both Jew and Gentile have access, direct access to God. Verse 18, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Romans 5.2 tells us we have access by faith into this grace. 1 Corinthians 6.17, he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit's ministry is to provide us with information about him. The Holy Spirit is the one. He, he is actually, I call the Holy Spirit the Lord of the harvest. And the Bible tells us to pray that the Lord of the harvest will send laborers. And the Holy Spirit will do that. This word access was used of a solemn, unhindered approach, approach to a deity. And of access also to a king's presence. That's what that, so, so you can imagine when he used that word prosego to open up the way. A new and living way, as Hebrews 10.20 tells us. A brand new way has been opened up. Access has been made. You can come into the king's presence. You don't have to, you know, like the, the reason they had, uh, who was it, the joking, what, the joker in the king's palace? It's because it was his job to get the king on good mood. You know, get him in a good mood so he wouldn't, you know, render judgment to people. That was actually his job, to make the king laugh and get in a good mood. Well, listen, you don't have to wait for God to get in a good mood. He stays in a good mood. He's always on. The Holy Spirit's always on. We're the ones that's on and off. See? Is this making any sense? So, so we have this responsibility to take this message to the world. Israel had the exact same responsibility to take the message of God to the, to the world, to the Gentiles. But they didn't do it, and the church has fallen far short of doing that. We've divided it up. We've got it into ecclesiastical conditions. We might as well go ahead and try to keep all the law that Moses gave because uh, many denominations put laws on us that, that even Moses' law didn't put. I remember when me and my wife back in 1975, we were youth leaders at a church of, uh, church of God in a, a suburb of, if you can call it a suburb, uh, of Middlesbrough, Kentucky. And of course then we were steep, steep Pentecostals. We didn't wear rings. We didn't, you know, men kept their hair cut real short and women were not allowed to cut theirs. And I remember one day we had to take the young people out to play a game of football, which it was frowned upon. But they wouldn't even let those girls wear britches. They had to play football in a dress. Now, how stupid is that? 
When you take these laws, rules, and regulations that mankind adds to what God's Word is, you carry them to an extreme, it gets real ridiculous. I mean, it's so stupid. And, and so I got to a place where that I was not going to try to walk in, a, uh, in their level of self-righteousness. I was just done with it. Because I've seen what that message of works righteousness has done to mankind. And it's portrayed God in a way that he shouldn't be portrayed. So, lastly, verses 6 through, 16 through 18 here, the barrier is broken. We have peace with God so we can walk in the peace of God. Now, I hope, me stumbling through this, you've got a blessing tonight from something. Uh, I'm so ready to get back, get you here so I can look at you and tell whether you're receiving or not and ask you if you're getting anything out of this. But don't forget Sunday. Tune in once again. Thank God that'll be the last one that we have to do this way. And we'll have something fresh off the altar of God for you. Amen. God bless you. We love you.